Welcome to Finance for Physicians, a show where we empower physicians like you to practice medicine the way you always dreamed you would. This podcast features doctors, physicians, and experts that share one main thing in common. We believe having control of our finances leads to having control of our lives. In a world where doctors' lives are often dictated by our needs to maximize income, pay back massive student loans, and buy homes, many of us give up reaching those goals. But it doesn't have to be this way. If you are ready to learn how financial wellness creates happier doctors and patients, then I'm your guy. I'm your host and financial expert, Daniel Wren. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. I am excited to be with an amazing guest today, and that is my wife, Allison. Allison works an incredibly difficult job. She stays at home with our three crazy boys, which is a huge job and actually doesn't pay too well, right, Allison? That's right. I'm still waiting. Yeah, right. So, Allison, thank you for joining me today and being brave to talk about finances on the podcast. Well, thanks. I've never done this before. Well, I'm sure you'll be great. So, money people love to talk about finances and marriage. That's a common topic, but they seem to, I think they miss a lot of the really important points or they sugarcoat it or they'll tell you what you want to hear. And that's why you're great for this sort of topic. You're like the most direct person I know <laughs> and you're very <laughs> honest and there's no sugarcoating. So she's, she's not going to tell you what you necessarily want to hear. She'll tell you really how it is. And on top of that, we have been married 11 years and we've talked about money a whole lot, maybe sometimes too much. I don't know. And so we got that going for us, right? Wow. Well, yeah. We've still, yeah, we're, we're still here. We're still trucking. <laughs> and also I've had a really good track record with clients so I can share a lot of experience from them working one-on-one -on -one with people. You know, there's been a pretty solid, you know, staying married rate. I don't want to jinx us, but we have a very, very good, you know, or a very, very low or non-existent divorce rate. So I think this should be a good conversation. We're going to be talking about money and how we manage money as a couple. And hopefully we can get into some of the experiences we've had and, and hopefully you'll gain a little bit from it. So Allison, I wanted to start with just money is a hot topic or can be a hot topic. I don't know if it has to be, but I'm sure you've heard of like money is the number one cause of divorce. And... I'm just curious of your thoughts on that. Like, why is money mentioned as a, the number one cause of divorce so often? What's the deal with that? Well, I don't have the answer, but I can see why it is such a problem. You take two people, probably two people who were pretty independent. And like you and I, we both had jobs. We had our own finances. We had our own homes. You get married and all of a sudden you're combining that. At first... Personally, I didn't find that too difficult. I think that became a little more difficult when we had kids and I stayed home. I think it's also one of those things that's really easy to not pay attention to. Like nobody like wants to sit down on a Friday night like and have a date and like let's let's go over budget. Like that's super hot. Like Except nobody wants me. to do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm the but only person that wants to do that. <laughs> well, that's not normal. Um, <laughs> I think uh, yes. I think that, like, to me, I guess an analogy would be, like, your finances or your 
financial health is kind of like your weight. Like nobody wants to get on a scale, but like, if you like don't get on a scale for seven years, you're probably going to get on there and not like the number. So to me, even though it's not like a fun, like, I'm not sure I would call like finances a fun topic, but I think when your finances are out of control or ignored, I think the stress that that puts on a marriage is very, very high. I don't think it matters how much money you make. I mean, if you can't live within your means and come to an agreement with your spouse about what that looks like, you're going to have some big, big fights. Yep. And I don't think, I think money is just like the end result. I, I think really the reason is typically lack of trust or lack of communication or planning ahead or thinking about these things. Like the money itself it does add pressure, like you're saying, it's going to add pressure. But the pressure gets created because there's no plan or nobody's thinking ahead or like you're spending above your means, which, you know, somebody needs to make a plan to not spend above your means. Or there's not a lot of trust. So, you know, maybe finances highlight a lack of trust. And we'll talk about, I think, some of those examples today of like... Well, I do. I was thinking before we hopped on here... I was trying to think, what do I think the most important thing about finance and marriage is? And I think it comes down to trust and respect. Like, do you trust your spouse? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. But if you if you can't trust that person, you know, you're going to have some pretty big problems. I think if you can trust the other person, but I, I think, I guess before that, I think you have to have if you don't have the same values as your spouse or what's important to you for money or what money allows you to do, I think you have to get on the same page with that and like, and actually be on the same page. Just not be like, Oh yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like you've got to really think about what you want money to allow you to do and what you want to do with your money because it's a limited resource. So it's like, how are we going to decide as a couple about what matters most to us? And then trusting the other person that on a day-to-day -day basis, you're, you're making decisions on what you say actually matters to you. Yeah, that's a bunch of stuff. That's like, you know, trust and respect is, I agree, like necessary. And I agree, like, I don't, I don't know what to say if that's not there. I mean... I yeah, mean, I guess not, you just have to work on building, building trust build if up. you don't feel like you have it. Right. It's not to mean that like that's like you're screwed. It's like you can build trust or build it back or, you know, gain respect. And so that's kind of its own thing. Once you have solid trust or, or assuming your trust is there and you have good respect, that doesn't automatically mean you're good, right? Because I know lots of people that have that and are struggling no, but I think that's where you have to start mm -hmm. is saying, do we really care about the same things? Do we show with our money that we care, you know, that these are the things we care about and trusting the other person? I think you have to have a plan. Like I think, right. you know, like budget's not like a super sexy word, but I think you need a budget because I think most people do not know, myself included, where their money goes on a day-to-day -day basis. Like for me, it is helpful to have a budget mm -hmm. 
see where the money's going, seeing what categories are chronically over, mm-hmm. which ones you're doing well on. I'm curious about the values thing, because that's huge too. Some people might have solid trust and respect, but to me, that's kind of like the second layer of importance. It's like, what's most important to you? Like, are your values on the same page? Or do you talk about them? Or are you kind of like creating them or tweaking them as a couple? So as a financial planner, we get to like ask people what their values are. It's important to understand what's most important and like where you want to go in life, because that's what the foundation of a plan is. And so we get to ask people that. And I've learned just from experience, most people aren't clear on what's most important, or they haven't like thought about it, or they're like, I've never really sat down to talk about what's most important. I think for us, though, is a couple like, maybe it's because I'm a financial planner, and I talk about this kind of stuff regularly, but it seemed like we were like lock on values from the get go. What are your thoughts on that? There's little small things here and there. Yeah, I mean, I think you and I had a lot of conversations before we got married. I mean, tell them about our first date, please. (laughs) Just briefly. Well, what did I ask you on our first date? I would date? say on our first date, one of the funniest thing, one of the funnier things you asked me was what my five-year plan was. Right. I did not have a five-year plan then. I do not have a five-year plan now. Uh, I think that plays into knowing your strengths and knowing your partner's strengths. Daniel obviously mm-hmm. is very financially savvy and handles most of our long-term things. I handle a lot more of the kids expenses the daily expenses the grocery expenses home repairs things like that like Mm -hmm. i think one thing you can do is you've got to trust the other person like that i know that you're handling it i'm not saying we don't sit down and talk about our long-term plan and i like to understand what's happening but if you naturally fit in a role one better than the other you know sometimes it's good to kind of divide those things up and not have one person doing everything and the other person being clueless Mm -hmm. but we just have kind of naturally gone into those roles i think from what you know what we spend a lot of time doing yeah so we got the trust and respect we got values and making sure we're clear on what's most important and then you mentioned money as a tool basically it's is what you were saying is like understanding yeah i mean how you want to use money as a tool. A lot of people view money as the end goal. Right. I think, well, that gets into, that could get into a very long discussion. But like as a couple, like understanding how you feel about that particular topic is probably a good starting point. Like, do you 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 want to be rich to be rich? Because you think if you're rich, your life is easy. I think a lot of people think that. I think I fortunately had parents in a childhood where finances and savings and investment I mean I thought it was normal because that's your childhood but like I look back and I think I probably had a little more financial understanding than the average person just because it was talked about it was talked about I guess I was kind of taught that I mean to work hard save your money and help other people but I think I also taught that you know a lot of your blessings, you're blessed by God to be a blessing to other people. So to me, yeah, I would love to like drive a brand new car and have super nice clothes and go on super, super nice vacations. But like, to me, is that using your money well? And to some people, maybe the answer is yes. To me, no, like to me, mm-hmm. supporting our church and being involved in community or 
as well as our children's education and our home is important to me as well as, you know, what I feed my children, things like that. I think you have to decide as a couple, and I'm not saying one's right and one's wrong, but I think you have to decide as a couple where you want your money to go based on what matters to you. Yeah. And that's why values are by far the most important thing. Like you have to understand what values are as a couple and make sure that's discussed and, you know, even revisited over time, because ultimately that's what it comes down to. You're using money as the tool to like move closer to those. And when there's a conflict that in itself can be the issue is when there's a conflict in values, one person's using money to kind of move towards them. And then the other person is doing the same thing, but they're not on the same page with the values. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a big thing. And I think it's the kinds of things people don't think to sit down and talk about because we're all really busy. Life's crazy, especially if you have little kids. And it's something that's easy to slip through the cracks. I guess to me, I also see money as a tool to do the things that I want to be able to do. Mm. I want to be able to plan our family vacation and know that it was planned and budgeted for and not going to end up as some huge expense we didn't plan for. And now we're fighting about it. And there's credit card debt and all that to me. Mm-hmm. I think you're better off to sit down with your spouse for 10 minutes and say, hey, like, let's look ahead at the next year and think, what do we want to do? And, you know, like, we want to take our kids skiing. Mm-hmm. So what it's do we not cheap to, to go those... skiing, is it? Allison? Right. No, it's not, especially with little kids. But that's something that's really important to us is to we both love to ski. We want the kids to be good skiers. And so, like, to me, yeah, I'd rather drive my 2012 Honda Odyssey with no car payment and take the ski trips I want to take. And that's Mm. fine. And someone else has different priorities for their money. And that's fine. But Mm. I'm on the same page with my spouse about what those priorities are. And for us, we want to be able to take trips. And we don't really, if you saw our cars, you would probably realize we don't really care about what car we drive, we'd rather, you know, take a great trip out West and take our kids skiing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's where you get, I mean, once you have the values set and you know, you're kind of on the same page with your using the money as the tool to kind of make progress towards them. Then it's just about like execution. Like how are you, what are the steps you're taking? And that doesn't always go well, it rarely goes perfectly, but like, that's where like, you know, the budget and the planning and the tactical stuff comes in. It's like, is our money doing what we want it to do? I think a lot of times people struggle with that too. It's All these areas are like independently challenging in different ways. It's like, you know, you have to get in the weeds every once in a while. I know we talk about money. I always bring my spreadsheets. You kind of get on me about my spreadsheets. You're like, put the spreadsheets away. But like, as we approach, you know, discussions, I always have my spreadsheets with me. Mm-hmm. But like money discussions... It seems like they oftentimes like get into the weeds first. I don't know. What's the wrong way to start to talk about money? I have my idea of what that might be based on our conversations, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. I think the wrong way to start is an accusatory way. Like the Like you're why we have this much credit card debt and it's because you bought this and you have this and you have this. Well that's that's the worst. I think that's definitely the wrong way. Why don't you get a job? Yeah, like 
work more, you know, spend less, or I'm having to work this much because you spend this. I'm glad that you don't do that to me. I hope I don't do that to you. I think that probably will solve nothing in the long term and just make you resentful and make you never want to talk about money. Yeah. Um, but there are ways I've brought up, I know I've brought up things not exactly like intentionally being like pointing fingers, like quit spending money, but I'm like, oh, I got the credit card statement in the mail today. And I'm like, <laughs> what's this transaction, Allison, on blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, that's probably yeah. not like the a terrible, that's not like as bad as the example you gave, but I'm sure that's not the right way to well, do it. Well, yeah. I mean, I remember I have a specific example. I what remember is that? a painting. It's a painting that oh, I bought gosh. for the dining room. You were like, what is this store? And I was like, Ugh. um, and you were like, okay, that is at the level of dollar amount that we need to have a discussion about before you buy it. And I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. You're right. Like that's, you know, that's an item that needs to be discussed. Do I call Daniel and say, Hey, I'm paying seven ninety nine for organic raspberries. No. <laughs> but, you know, like we need to have a piece of furniture recovered and I'll pick out a fabric and I'll get an idea of what it costs. And that is the kind of item, line item that we have decided as a couple <laughs> that we're going to talk about those things before. Just like, you know, if Daniel went out and bought $1,500, you know, ski boots and skis, that's the <laughs> kind of thing that we that we need to be on the same page about. Yeah. Um, right. But I do think, I mean, I know it's no fun, but I do think if you can sit down with your spouse and come up with like a realistic budget and that it's like, cause I don't, I don't want to be micromanaged. I mean, I do probably 99% of the buying for our family and I have no interest in being micromanaged by anyone and by Daniel. So like to me, let's sit down as a couple, let's decide what we think is a reasonable amount that groceries are and what we think is a reasonable amount of kids' activities or babysitters. And if you're staying within or near those numbers, I think it takes stress off because there's nothing to fight about. I mean, mm -hmm. if you set, you know, you're on a target. kid's activity. Yeah, if you're on target and you've agreed on the numbers, then I'm not going to say, like, oh, I see you went to Starbucks every day this month. Mm -hmm. But like, if you've both talked about that line item, I mean, that's just a random example. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if he's like, oh, are those new pants? Yeah, they're new pants and they fit in my shopping budget. So, you know. Back up off me. It works for both of us. Like, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. But I'll I think if you're just like flying blind, I would think that would probably lead to more arguments unless you're both just like, huge, huge penny pinchers and never buy anything. Mm -hmm. but I don't well, that could have, probably. that causes its own set of problems. I mean, there's a different set yeah. of problems that can happen. I but... mean, you're going to have like, you take two adults, you put them together, you start sharing your finances. Like, yeah, there's going to be disagreements and fights and discussions, but like, hopefully you get on the same page because you talk about what you want in the future. So like, yeah. When our kids are older, I want to be able to travel more. I want to be able to go see these places and do these things. So what do we say now that we need to do to make that happen? Because you can't have it all. I mean, you've yeah. got to decide what you want to spend your money on. I mean, yeah. I don't think there's like, you know, 
you're going to spend it either way. I think it's probably better to have a plan if you're going to, if when you're doing it. Yeah. But it's hard to combine. It's hard to be, I mean, we're all selfish. So, you know, you got to work on that one. And what do you think about separate finances? As some people, I think it's very, that you get down that path. You're like, well, this is hard. Like, this is hard. We're hard to, so it's like, especially when both spouses are in income, it's like, well, let's just separate it. It's maybe. Well, I think if you're married, your finances should be combined. (laughs) I don't know why I asked you that question. I don't know why I asked you that question because I know exactly what you think. And, but I think it's an important thing to. I think if you are married, I mean, to me, Marriage is when two people become one. So you're two people and now you're one entity and you're a family. Even if you're a couple with no kids, you are. Tie the knot. Yeah, you're together. And to me, I can only imagine the resentment that I would feel if we had separate finances. Uh, Mm -hmm. Well, first off, I have been a stay at home mom for nine and a half years. But even if I had. That wouldn't work. It's like, well, who? It's like, what are we going to? split the groceries down the middle like i, I don't know to me like or who's paying for the kids soccer like who's paying for cleats who's paying for the electricity i'm not paying like, for it <laughs> to, yeah like to me i would actually think that would cause more problems than sharing your finances but i don't know because i've never done it well but i could see how that i can see the appeal but like it's ripe for like i mean it's lack of transparency which is lack of trust i mean there's it's ripe for like right for... i do think that if you want separate finances and maybe there's a specific reason you want separate finances. Maybe you saw a horrible example of combined finances. But to me, it's like you have to you gotta trust this person. And if you don't, then you you know, maybe you need to talk about how you can can trust each other. I mean, I'm really sure really. there's been many times that I've been irresponsible with money, or maybe you were annoyed by something I bought or did or spent. But I think you have to work through those things because that's, you know, part of marriage. Yeah. I wanted to go back to the budgeting thing before I forget it. Um, The way that we've kind of evolved in our conversations about like budgets, particularly, first of all, like I don't like budgets. Most people don't love budgeting. Every once in a while, there are people that enjoy budgeting, but I think most people hate budgeting or dislike it. And, but I have an appreciation for it. So what has got, what has been frustrating for me has been like the minutia detailed stuff that's unnecessary to track. And Allison has helped me to realize some of these things too. But one suggestion I would throw out, especially for those of you that are like doing the planning part of the equation is building in margin into your budget. So that's what I did a while ago. It saved us a lot of like just annoying frustrations with little things. I just built in like a 10% margin into our budget so that it wasn't always going over because <laughs> it was frustrating for me when it always went over. <laughs> and But the problem is in a budget, there's just these little things you don't think about that will always mess your budget up. So most of you listening have, you know, as physicians, you're going to earn high income. And, you know, that's a nice benefit of having a higher income is you don't have to watch every penny necessarily, but you don't want to go the complete other direction. So Allison has used this approach where she kind of like zeroes in on categories, which I think is really good. Cause like, what's the point of writing down your mortgage payment every month? And that's where a lot of people start with budgeting. They're like, Oh, well, I got a mortgage. I got utilities. I got a cable bill. I got internet. I got what's the insurance premium divided by blah, blah, blah. And they go through all the fixed things. And then the variable like kind of stuff is 
they're like, I don't know, let's guess, you know, they have no idea. So your approach is more like, I don't care about the fixed stuff, right? Like talk through that. Right. Okay. So the way that I approach budgeting, well, first I have to preface this by, it's not that I don't care about the fixed expenses. Daniel and I know what our fixed expenses are. We've gone over our fixed expenses and we know our fixed expenses are reasonable and responsible. Like, yes, you know, so that that's the first thing. So like, if your house is too big, maybe you need to sell your house, but you know, we have our fixed expenses. We know what they are. It's not like we ignore them, but I don't need to track what my water bill is every month because (laughs) at the end of the day, I can't really change what my water bill is. So I, for me, everybody's different. For me, I like to track what I view as discretionary items. So that's everything. The things that I feel like I have control over. Everything from like groceries to babysitters to kids activities to school to dining out to entertainment to shopping to clothing. Yada, yada, yada. Landscape help. All the things that I actually have control over. Because like, I I mean, why would I sit there and track what my you know, Columbia gas payment is in the winter. If you know that you can afford your house and you know, you're in, if your fixed expenses are okay. Mm. So for me, I think it's better to track our discretionary income. And I keep those categories kind of broad because that works for me. Like I don't want to have things super, super broken down. I'm not tracking things by kids. I'm not, you know, I'm tracking like a total grocery budget for the month, a total, dining out and you know entertainment and a total kids activities i mean this summer the kids activities were like that that line on them was through the roof but at least like surprising we knew it was through the roof and it's like okay well we know why it's through the roof and you know we even said well we probably should have set we probably should have set a budget for summer camps and things like that beforehand but um yep I think as long as you're in the range, you know, like, but there's always going to be stuff that comes up. I mean, I, a couple of months ago, ran, you know, had a flat tire, ran over a nail. I thought I could get it patched. Well, I couldn't because my tire tread was too low. And then, you know, here I am with four brand new tires. And I was kind of annoyed about that because I felt like it blew my budget. But that's like like a neat, you got to do that kind of thing. Yeah. And it happens. And you, at least I know Mm -hmm. that month it's like, oh, well. And sometimes I have it like an Excel spreadsheet. And sometimes I'll make a little note like, you know, car tires or kids tuition or whatnot. Yeah. Well, lots, lots of good nuggets. Before we wrap up and call it a day, I wanted to kind of talk about one more thing. As far as like regularity of most people aren't like me and they don't love talking about money. Most people probably dislike it. I don't know. But what do you you don't like? You don't like talking about how much things cost to get fixed. (laughs) Now, that is true. That is true. I don't like hearing. You're more of a long-term. You're a long-term. That's right. I'm a long-term planner. Allison is a short-term planner. So that's a good combo, I think. But um, what do you think is a good frequency of, I mean, you got to talk about things when, you know, stuff blows up, like when you have to replace all your tires. Or I like how you said, you know, talked about setting thresholds for like this. We got to talk now because this thing is happening. But like outside of those things, what do you think is a good like frequency for conversations about money with couples? Well, you and I used to do it a lot more where we would check in like monthly, which I do. Do you remember my monthly emails? 
I do. I liked your monthly email. <laughs> well, it got to feel like, it felt like email. the same thing. I'm not great at long-term repetitive tasks, by the way, but like the email started to feel like the same thing over and over again. I mean, I feel like I am actually the one that's like, when do you have 10 minutes? We need to sit down and talk about money. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like I probably do that more than you. And maybe it's because I don't know what's happening long term, which I life has got a little... a little bit more interesting. But mm -hmm. I think if you like, and it's not like, I'm not trying to scare people. Like you take, you say the end of the month, you're going to take five to 10 minutes to look, to look at how you're doing. I think it's good. And then, you know, I think I, I like to run big purchases by Daniel. I mean, you know, he's not going to always say no. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to like go out and, you know, but I mean, you know, at what range I need to run something by Daniel. Daniel typically doesn't need to run anything by me because he never buys anything. But <laughs> true. <laughs> but I think it's good. I bought, you know, there's a lot of reasons I think it's good. I think it's good. I hope it keeps you on the same page. I also think that, which will be a whole other podcast about how to honor and respect your spouse with money in front of your children. And, you know, that I'm never, you know, I would never be like, buy something for the kids and be like, don't tell daddy. Like, I oh mean, unless it's like his birthday present or something, but I mean, that's probably a whole nother other thing. Yep. But I think, I think that respecting your spouse, respecting the gifts that you've been given, trying to use your money wisely. I think it can be a really short conversation, but I think probably one that needs to happen pretty frequently because i think what happens is if you don't you get in a situation that you didn't want to expect to be in and now you're you know probably both ticked at each other yep yeah i think monthly is a good frequency to at least have some little conversation even if it's just a yeah yeah just a check I, um, I just thought of one other thing <laughs> the little personal financial organizer so allison regularly will tell me she's like i have no idea where all our stuff is because i'm the one that handles like the account like the investments and the accounts and then the long-term planning and she does like the day-to-day -day stuff so she's always like what's i don't know where everything is and da, da, da. And one thing i think that's been helpful is i give her like a i guess a personal financial organizer is what i would call it every year or so and i just gave you an updated one last month i think that has so it's basically all of our it's like a one you're making it sound more scary than it is it's a one it's a one page <laughs> sheet of paper yeah it's not like a dossier it's a one it's a one page sheet of paper i'm a paper person i just something happened to daniel the last thing i want to be doing is trying to log on a single computer I like a piece of paper then our fire safe box and it and took it me has... a lot of time to boil that sucker down to one page <laughs> <laughs> but it has like every account well you can explain what it has but it's yeah. a sheet of paper yeah, it's got all of our account balances, assets and debt, you know, stuff that we own and, and stuff that we owe. And then it lists the balance and the date and then the contact person. And then it has insurances summarized and then like life key insurance and all the insurance, like life insurance. And it's kind of like the we get into major situation document. It's like something happens. Somebody pulled that thing out. Plus, it's also like a state of the union kind of like here's a report on how things are going if you're curious on it so i can i'll link to that template in the show notes in case you guys want to i'm very proud of it <laughs> well and it's important and it's something nobody wants to think about but i mean you know 
things happen overnight and somebody gets sick overnight or, or hopefully nothing worse happens, but you want to have a spot where you know where the things are if you need them. Mm -hmm. And who you need to call and all that stuff. Yeah. So. And it just makes me, you know, it's kind of like a peace of mind knowing like, okay, I know I've got everything I need. It's in this one spot. I know that Daniel updates it pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. And it's better to have it and not need it than wish you'd taken the time to do it. Yeah. Now, if you work with us one-on-one, -on -one, you can reach out to us and we'll send you that document. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> some of you are listening too, but we can rep it for you. You don't have to, because we already track all that stuff. So. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, well, it's been fun talking money with you, babe. Thanks, and we'll see everyone next time. Thanks, Al. You've been listening to Finance for Physicians. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to our show in your favorite podcast player. On this show, we believe that when you prioritize your finances, you take better care of yourself, have more fulfilling relationships with your families, and most importantly, provide higher quality care for your patients. If you feel this way too and want to learn more, then make sure to join our community. Follow the Finance for Physicians Facebook group for bonus content and sneak peeks on next week's episode. Thanks for listening.